You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. Brian, how are we doing today? How's everything going? Uh, I mean, it could be better. I'm doing okay, yes. but, you know, we're about to talk some Texas A&M football, so yeah. things uh, things could be better. But we're also going to talk a five-star commit, so I guess, you know, there's there's some, you know, silver lining there. I figured it was, we'd at least start off on a good note before we, we kind of get into – Diving into this game, and obviously we sit here again, just like we did last year at this point. A&M uh, loses yeah. 42-24 to Mississippi State. Sits at 3-2 and two going into Alabama week. Going to be a little bit difficult, more difficult of a task this year, though, heading to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Last year, obviously, was at Kyle Field and, and one of the best environments I've ever seen. And, um, you know, this year, loud. obviously, gonna have, it was loud. And loud. you had the home field home field environment, obviously a huge recruiting weekend. This one, the trip up to Tuscaloosa, I guess just looking big picture, obviously coming out of that Mississippi state game, a lot of questions on, on all sorts, on all sorts of fronts. Where did, where do you think A&M goes from here? I guess that's just kind of the simple question with Alabama coming up. Okay. I mean, last year I expected A&M to be three and three after this game, but you know, they, they pulled out that win. And it, Zach Kozada, I mean, Zach, the offense is struggling this year. It's It struggled more under Calzada. I mean, everybody was frustrated. There was no downfield passing him at all. So and m it's, it's weird to say this, but they're actually in a better place on offense than they were last year. They're not in a good place. They're still, I mean – yeah, I think somebody said, you know, they were talking about AM and said, Oh, we're just Iowa, but with uh, Devon yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, that actually may, may, I, I mean, it's tough to to see that, but it, it's probably true. But still, AM is better than last year. Um, again, not good, but better than last year, yeah, on offense. So, you know, if they were able to do it last year, you know, Calzada became Superman. I mean, that was. Yeah, that was. Did you pay attention like this summer or spring, whatever it was that they announced he was transferring for Auburn? Auburn fans didn't really watch like A and M last year. I mean, why would they? They didn't. They saw A and M upset Alabama, and so they thought they were. I mean, they expected just this, this like savior to come in. And you know, I talking to a few fans like during uh, camp, and they're like, "Oh, he's got to win the job." Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I, I tried to. I was <laughs> like, I really doubt it. You know, and. I'm not trying to slander Calzada. Like, I mean, he did as best yeah. he could. It was just, you know, it was just a struggle. And then, you know, we ended up third string coming out of, of camp with them. But, uh, 
Yeah, so all that to say is if A&M's offense last year could all of a sudden get something going for Alabama, then there's at least hope. Now, the line when it opened, uh, so a lot of the books put it on this summer, like right after the whole Jumbo uh, Saban, like, mm-hmm. or, you know, or spring, summer, when that, right after their whole back and forth, when A&M called that press conference, like, 12 hours after Saban made his comments there, you know, that, you know, it's something about A&M, everybody on the team was bought. I don't think Saban meant it incredibly maliciously, but I also think Nick Saban knows what he's doing every time. He does. He, he says something. So, so the lines opened then, and it was Alabama by 14 or so. You know, they were coming to season number one. They had the reigning Heisman Trophy uh, uh, winner. But now that we're here for game week, uh, it opened, I think, this week at like 23 and a half, 22 and a half, 23 and a half. And that's with uh, with Bryce Young, the, the reigning Heisman winner, possibly not playing. I mean, yeah. A&M, fan, A&M fans, if you would have told them this summer that, hey, there's a chance, you know, Bryce Young may not play, they'd be, they'd be right you know, the okay, in. this game, yeah. yeah, this game, okay. They would, and then you're like, oh, yeah, also – you're a 23 and a half point underdog. You know, it's just the team is just it's frustrating because, you know, they'll do things right. And you'll think, OK, it's there. And then just like all the turnovers in the game. I mean, it's just it's it's a bit maddening to cover because I just can't figure out the identity of this team. I, I come out of a lot of weeks and and this one particularly. And, and it's one of those traps you kind of have to guard against, especially with this team, to your point about just how it feels like they're in position to strike it at, at certain points. They have a chance in this game against Mississippi state to go up seven, nothing. And Devon on chain fumbles down by the goal line, rare occurrence, but takes points off the board. They have a chance to come back and, and, and get a field goal right before the half, a strip sack fumble. And, and the first turnover that, that Max Johnson's had um, since taking over takes points off the board. They have a chance coming out of halftime, put a nice drive together. Deuce Harmon with a with the forces of fumble and AM has a chance to to come back down and get it back within a score. And a block kick goes back the other way. And suddenly you're looking at 21 to 3. And the way AM's had struggles offensively, the game's basically over at that point. I know they kind of traded scores at that point, but realistically at 21 to 3, the game was pretty much over. To your point, I mean, it's it's like a mistake here, a mistake there. It's but it's a different guy every single time that's kind of making the mistake, and AM just can't get out of their own way. They were running the ball really effectively against Mississippi State, and you know, for a quarter and a quarter and a bit, basically did what they needed to do to to really be on the road and in that game, and, and you felt good about where they were going. And I, I I look ahead to this week against Alabama, you obviously can't can't have those turnovers you're going to have to go have a couple go your other way the Antonio Johnson pick six is is definitely one there were a couple other missed opportunities in the in the first half where you kind of think about well what if A&M is able to make that interception or or make that play all those need to happen against Alabama everything needs to go right just like oh yeah did you last yeah. year yeah you can't make mistakes against them they no. could have gotten away with a few of them versus Mississippi State but you're right you don't make mistakes against a Nick Saban team and expect to pull an upset no question they have to be fundamentally sound and you know but they they have talent on offense and i think that's what frustrates a&m fans as you look at guys like evan stewart and moose muhammad are making plays and up front 
you know, it's perplexing to see them struggle at times. They ran the ball really, really well, but you know, with with a guy like Ruben Fathery and Bryce Foster and and Trey Zune, you know, I think progressing as the year goes along, you figured this offensive line would be playing better than Layden Robinson had. was a preseason All American. Layden Robinson, I mean, was a pre- it's just it's just the line. Yeah, that's a that's another maddening thing. What happened? They forgot how to block. Yeah, it's just they've they've struggled with twists, they've struggled with stunts all season. Whether it was Sam Houston, Sam Houston gave them problems in the first game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Appalachian State, and you just look at the numbers. I was looking at the offense before this, and you know, obviously, there's a lot of questions about you know, will Jimbo Fisher give out the play calling, and and I think those are all going to be answered after the season. Because um, at this point, you're kind of you kind of are what you are for the next two months you've you're not going to make drastic changes during the season aside from changing a quarterback here or there scott frost is free scott frost is yeah, free, scott Andrew. Is free you can yeah. hire him right now i'm bring him they're in not, bring they're him, not going to do that but he's free the, yeah bring him in during the bye week and paul christ is free too now Actually, yeah you could bring him uh, in yes. too. Um, yeah, hey, he could be an analyst, but Frost was a good OC at uh, at Oregon, man. They had a he was. good good offense under him. So bring him in, install the offense in two weeks, and we'll and we'll see something different against South Carolina. You know, you look at you heard it group, here first. You heard it here, right? Right, <laughs> just like yes. you did about um, bringing the number two player in the nation yeah, <laughs> back to back years. We got him. Yeah, if we can will that to happen, man, we can will Scott Frost being we, we the can play will, caller. We, by October 22nd. <laughs> Against South Carolina. You're going to have to buy it this weekend. You can get them yeah. in during the bye week. But no, that's, you know, there's there's certainly plenty being said about that. And, and, and but, you know, do you use the transfer portal more? These are all questions that are going to have to be answered in the, the offseason. I guess the big question is, Max Johnson, obviously, day-to-day, Jimbo Fisher said today during this press conference, um, we'll see whether he is able to go on, on Saturday. He looked really in a lot of discomfort on, on Saturday oh, yeah. against Mississippi State and hard to see him potentially being able to play. So you look at Haynes King, you look at potentially Connor Wigman. Where does AM go from here? And, and is it the same question this week as it might be during the bye week? Do you go with a guy against Alabama and then potentially um, go with Connor Wigman? I have my thoughts, but but wanted to get your take on that as well. All right. If Max Johnson's healthy – you got to go with him just because, you know, he hasn't been great, but he's been a game manager and has, you know, at least I've experienced you. It, it'd be tough to throw a guy out there for the first time, you know, at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, I think you got to go with Max Johnson. If he's not healthy, what do I think will happen? I think AM goes with Haynes King. I mean, he won yeah. the job. Do I think, would I? No, you, you don't have anything to lose i mean honestly yeah you just don't and let's say AM gets behind throw connor wigman out there let's see what he can do you know maybe he-, he just goes crazy you know maybe he struggles and throws three interceptions you know but at least you get that out of the way now you know he's like if so let's say that happens then you know if he's the starter say next year you're like he comes out for the first game and he's had experience you know it's not yeah. all of a sudden just like the crowd on top of him for the first time ever. He doesn't know what to do, you know, just like, you know, freezes up because he's like, Hey, Oh, I played at the number one team in the country. So this is a, you know, this is a cakewalk. So I say go with Wigman. Do I expect it now? Even if they're, uh, I mean, even if they're up big or down big, I really don't. I think that 
I think that Jimbo is a big fan of Haynes King. I think Haynes King is, you know, he's the coach's kid. He looks good, you know, a lot of times in practice because, you know, he does well, but it just doesn't translate to the field. Yeah, he can run, and Jimbo does really value values running, but so can Wigman. But, um, yeah, I don't expect it, but that's, you know, you got to get – the fan base needs something to hold on to right now. They need yep, – so, and so you throw – so, uh, man, when, when I was in college, this is this, you know, the name, but it's, this is before your time, but I was in college and I don't remember who the starting quarterback was. Maybe Dustin Long. I don't remember, but A&M had a five-star freshman on the bench and I forget which game it was, but all of Kyle Field, and this was, the internet wasn't big then, you know, so it was just crazy that everybody knew who he was. All of Kyle Field just starts chanting Reggie, 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 you know, for Reggie McNeil. And, yeah. uh, I think is that game or the next game he came in against Oklahoma and ended up as the big 12 player of the week and upsetting Oklahoma. So, you know, gave, you know, the season wasn't great, but it gave fans at least hope and something to, to look to and a reason to watch. I mean, so if let's say, I mean, let's say they, you know, lose to Alabama, then, you know, you'll probably beat South Carolina and some other teams, but Fans aren't going to be excited. They're not going to plan their Saturdays or their whole weekends mm-hmm. around it. You know what they would do that though, if you got a five-star true freshman as your as your starting QB. So I would at least watch it potentially, uh, potentially going forward. And I think that if uh, you know if the season sort of falls apart, I think Jimbo's going to have pressure on him from a lot of different people. I think it happened with Max Johnson already. Like I don't know if Jimbo would have made that uh, made that change if he didn't sort of feel some pressure. So it very well could be. Everybody wants to see Wickman. It's like, all right, you know, this guy was ranked high. You've been talking. You know, everybody's been talking about how good his uh, future is. Why not have the future now? No doubt, and I I think. Here's my thought. If you're going to have Haynes King out there and this gets into a whole, you know, conversation about play calling and all that scheme for the things that he does well. You know, I I think one of the things that I've had a question about in the last couple of weeks watching him, why not get him out on the perimeter and try to force the defense to make decisions on on sort of read option plays, get him and not Shane out on the on the on the edge and make a defender choose between which guy to kind of go for and and. You know, do you have confidence in him to be able to ex- execute that play? You're using his legs and what he does best. You can create some big plays off of that. And and I think you've just got to kind of play to his strengths. You can't just drop him back 20 times a game and ask him to throw it and read coverages. That's just not what he does well. You know, yeah. the, the drive that they put together against Mississippi State where he was able to score, they got him out with his legs on the perimeter running. And you saw, like, the speed and, and all that. I think if you're going to go with Haynes King – that's kind of what you got to do is you've got to get him on the perimeter and, and force teams to respect him running and, and, and try to, you know, keep defenses at bay or, or, or on their heels doing that. I just think you have to get a bit more creative if you're going to, if you're going to roll him out there. As for Wigman, I agree with you. I think you see how this week goes. I think Jimbo Fisher is also obviously the ultra competitor. He's, he's not mailing in this season, regardless of whether they win or lose this weekend. And, if they're three and three, he probably still thinks, well, we can win six more games and finish at nine and three with better execution. And, you know, I know fans get sick of hearing that, but that's just kind of the way he's wired. And then the offseason kind of make the big change, big changes. For me, I would go with Wigman as well. And I think on top of giving fans something to get excited about, you get you at least get a glimpse of the future. And and, you know, I've been talking to 
sources when I get out to games and things like that and, and had an interesting discussion a couple weeks ago with one in particular who's, who's very familiar with the A&M program. And we were kind of talking about the quarterback room and, and how everybody kind of used them. And the feedback I got on Connor Wigman was they, the receivers just don't have much chemistry with him. And well, you have six games right now with yeah. a bunch of young receivers. If you or seven games with a, with a bunch of young receivers to get that sort of chemistry and, and a chance to get them out there, get them experience, get them playing in games with those receivers. That was the biggest piece of feedback I got was, well, they just don't have, they don't have a lot of chemistry with him. They have, some chemistry with Max Johnson. They have some with Haynes King. Things are just kind of inconsistent. But with with Connor Wigman, they just didn't feel like they had the they had the chemistry. And you know, I think you have a perfect opportunity. You're not between three losses and five losses. It's probably still going to be disappointing on in any regard, no matter how many losses. I you mean, have. yeah, we're we're getting ready to cover this this team at the Texas Bowl. Just get ready for yeah. it. You know, it's like, just get I ready for some, it. And I saw somebody had the latest uh, projections. Texas A and M against Kansas in the Texas Bowl. Oh, of course. <laughs> Who would have thought Kansas, that coming? The one year Kansas is good though. It's like A and M fans have made fun of Texas for losing to Kansas yep. twice. And <laughs> if they happen to lose to the Jayhawks, like what the? Well, like, you know, they would like be the one, the one bullet they've that's, had. Yeah, yeah, that's the one bullet they've had this entire time. And uh, you know, they would really be, you know, kind of looking at that game, think, "Oh boy, yeah, we got." But it would be, you know, the, this team had big goals. And so, you know, you're playing in the Texas Bowl. You've got to be able to give something to build off in the offseason. I don't think you can go into this offseason, again, facing a ton of questions and not know what you're building around. That's that's part of the, the opportunity to play. And look, AM hasn't been afraid of playing young players to this point. AM's been playing a ton of young players on both sides of the ball. I just don't get why you wouldn't give. Connor Wigman, because again, Jimbo Fisher spoke glowingly of him in the press conference today. I just, I don't get why you wouldn't at least give him a chance and see what he can do. And, and if he creates a spark, he creates a spark, but you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And there's going to be a lot more questions to kind of talk about coming out of this Alabama game. If you're A&M, you have a chance just like you did last year to, to flip the script in a hurry, or you're sitting at three and three and, and going into the bye week with a lot of questions as well. So it's going to be fascinating. We'll have a lot more on, on Alabama as well later in the week, previewing that matchup, what AM needs to do, and please and all watch. That. So, I promise that there are going to be that there are going to be talk of things that AM can actually do. I know fans are, you know, yeah, when, I, know we, when I put the article out about with the line, uh, oh, let's jump on Alabama before it goes yeah. up from 23 <laughs> and a half. Like, come on, don't give up. Okay. Yes, AM probably, probably does not come out yeah. with a win, but it's, I mean, last year. I think there's a better chance this year than than last yep, year. I do too. You know? I do so. too. And and you know what? If the interesting thing that we haven't talked about is if Bryce Young doesn't play, well, that would be the first start for Jalen Milrow. That's that's a heck he of has, a he has not been a great passer either. I mean, I yeah. know you know when I was talking to the board out A and M, Milrow really liked A and M, and and uh, he was actually close to committing to A&M, but the Aggies decided to go with Eli Stowers in that class. You know, Stowers ended up moving to tight end. Now he's back at quarterback, but isn't really in the battle. So, you know, there people want to just blame Jimbo for all this. Well, right now, Murrow's a running back playing quarterback. You know, he yep. has not done – he's not been a great passer. I mean, he played more than a half, and I think he had less than like 70 yards 
passing against a really good or with a really good receiving core. So, but he had and 90 yards rushing. So I was going to um, say the big yeah. plays came off the ground and, and with his legs and, and that's certainly yeah. something he, he can, he can make you, he can make you pay with the legs. And, and Jimbo Fisher did talk about that today, actually about, you know, Jalen Milrow versus Eli Stowers and the decision, you know, as he said for, for with Stowers was the first to jump on board and, but A&M really, really liked, Jalen Milrow and, and, you know, recruited him quite heavily. And so they, they certainly know what they're, what they're getting with him, but I'm with you. I mean, there's, there's, there's pieces again, and it's, it's, it's tough because they just have to be more consistent. It's Devon Achain was rolling last week against Mississippi yeah. state was rolling. And, you know, if a and able to stick in, with the running game, who knows where that kind of goes. But I do, I do think that's the formula for A&M is, is to pull off an upset, Devon Achain has to have 150 yards, 200 yard game, and and A and M has to create some some plays with their special teams as well. And you know, if they get out to a big, if they get out to an early lead again, who knows where where it kind of goes? But I, on that note, I did watch Nick Saban's press conference this morning, and you can tell he's got kind of an edge to him this week. You know, he mentioned last year that you know he warned everybody about A and M, and nobody would listen to him, and you know they were. He does it. It's the man who cried wolf has been a favorite. Remember, he does that every game. It's poison. Every game. It's poison. He (laughs) talked about whatever you guys want to talk about poison. He's like, nobody listens to me. Or sometimes they do. So he was he was certainly on one of those again about about being the favorites and and not taking anything for granted. And, you know, that they're going up against a really well coached football team and AM. And, you know, he he's he is going to hammer that point home all week, and that's just his formula and, and where he goes. So he did talk did about you, the rap. You were telling me that uh, that he was asked who was going to start. And yep, what he, was the, what and was Jimbo the, actually. I wonder if they watched each. Who who was first with their answer? <laughs> so Saban was first, and then and Fisher was second. With Saban, right, you, you've got to about... share this, but I got to think that Fisher had. I mean, he had <laughs> to have seen it if it's like the same wording. But all right, yeah. tell the people so the answers. Somebody asked. Somebody asked. Uh, about Milrow and you know I thought it was a fine question it was does does Alabama have a package in play for Milrow if if Bryce Young doesn't doesn't play or something it was something along those lines of just a a relatively nuanced question and and uh, Nick Saban said yes we we have we have packages we always have packages for Jalen Milrow he said what do you what do you think I'm going to call Jimbo Fisher and tell Jimbo Fisher our our plays and our plan for for Jalen Milrow and Bryce Young. And then Jimbo spoke at two and they asked him about Haynes King and whether he saw Haynes King, you know, being able to suit up on Saturday night. He said, what do you think I'm going to call Nick Saban and, and tell Nick Saban who's playing quarterback on Saturday night. And you're like, both wordings sounded eerily similar to each yeah. other. Yeah. There's okay. I know they were on staff for a little while together, but <laughs> I promise Jimbo had to have seen that press conference. He's probably mad that that Nick Saban didn't call him up and tell him. Where was the call? Where was I'm the gonna phone use call? Your line, so. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna use it and, and and make that exact same point. So you know he was asked today, and, and he had no interest. Neither side had any interest about re, revisiting everything that happened over the summer. And, oh, that's and shocking. They, they, yeah, <laughs> they were both ready to absolutely move on from that and. And, you know, Jimbo said, I listen, I've addressed this. I'm I'm done talking about this. And, you know, Nick's a great coach. 
So what do you think was, the SEC uh, the SEC conference call this week on Wednesday? What do you think they're both going to be asked? Hundred like, percent. When you get all the media from all the national sites, that's every, the story. Everybody yeah. looking for yeah. that national angle. That's that's what the story is going to be about. Yeah, this game was circled on the calendar. I mean, this was the game of the year. I mean, it, I remember in the summer, you know, it's like the best games here. This was it. Do you know where game day is this week? Kansas. The game Kansas. day is Kansas. Kansas game, versus TCU, right? Game of, yes, yes. During the TCU. game of the year, they're in Lawrence, Kansas, just like everybody thought. So, <laughs> my God, and it's this is now twice that everybody kind of thought game day might be where A and M's going to be, and you know, yeah. twice it twice they've gone somewhere. Who would have had Kansas and TCU as the college game day location before uh, yes. the year started? So. I mean, who? What about a? Okay, so this summer, I tell you, oh, A and M, they started out three and two. You're like, ah, oh, man. So they didn't get. They fell to Miami and Arkansas. You know, those are going to be the tough teams. So yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, they beat those teams. They beat Wait. the top twenty five programs. Yeah, in, in both of those two, and then, and then you lose to to Mississippi State and Appalachian State, and it's 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 wild. And you know, in the you know, you look at you look at those two top twenty five wins over over Arkansas, Miami. That's in the rear 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 mirror now. Folks aren't really looking at that at all. And and yeah, it the odds of that happening would was slim to none for sure. So, but uh, you know we're it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating week, and we'll we'll certainly have some good stuff and to break that game down. I know it was a rough week. We do we do we did have some good news last week on the on the recruiting trail for A and M that that we're going to get to after a quick break. And, and A&M did, did get a big win on the recruiting trail. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni again. Brian, speaking of things we all saw coming, right? David Hicks. Five oh, yeah. out of Katie, Katie Pato called uh, it, called it yeah. <laughs> right. We totally saw that would come and no, um, you know, it was, it was kind of that the whole, the whole way this played down was, was crazy from behind the scenes, but you know, huge victory for A&M and, and a credit to the staff for, for not giving up on a, on a kid that look for the, for the, for the couple weeks leading up to, to his decision, all the buzz seemed to be centered around Oklahoma, and it and it was one of those things. Well, A and M has made a good run; they got him back on campus twice, and they they had those two late Zoom calls that that allowed them to to kind of flip the momentum. But 
my goodness, what do you make of of what they were able to get in Hicks and and what this win kind of means on the recruiting trail? I mean, so I wouldn't want to recruit a defense alignment against A and M right now. I mean, we saw it last yeah. year. They signed, I think, four of the top five uh, defense linemen yeah. in the country. They signed four or five stars, six top one hundred players on the line, and now they've got you know, David Hicks, another five-star. So, I mean, it's not unprecedented, but I know there's, you know, arguing over the time, you know, when, you know, when did Hicks really know is going to be a and Now, I don't think, I, I know I got, you know, word right, uh, not right before, pretty, well, really close. It was like 10 hour, minutes within, before, yeah. Yeah, it was within an hour of the announcements. So, uh, you know, it got word on that. Um and that's when we we're like, oh, guys, you may want to actually, uh, you know, I think Wilt Fong got not separately from me, but got the same information. And, uh, you know, it was like, hey, y'all might want to watch this. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, no matter when it actually happened, you know, when A&M knew or whatever like that, he definitely was a huge OU lean. Uh, you know, you and I yeah. both share the opinion. Silent commitments don't mean anything. If a kid doesn't go public, unless it's just like waiting a couple of days on a graphic or to make a video or whatever, if he doesn't go public, there's a reason why. You know, he's not fully in the boat. Uh, but Hicks definitely, I would say Oklahoma definitely considered him as on their commit list basically since the summer. And I they had yep. good reason to believe that. You know, he was a very, very heavy uh, OU lean. So AM did a lot of uh did you know a great job digging out of that you know getting them to look back and i mean elijah robinson you know has known uh, hicks since he was in eighth grade you know they've been watching him uh recruiting him i saw him at uh that may have been slightly before your time uh, you know at camp yeah. when uh, hicks was it was right after his eighth grade year and he was six to 210 pounds and so i remember when he started when he got his first offer uh the coach was like, uh, he's a lot bigger than that. He's six four. I was like, no way. Yeah, he was. He's uh, he grew a little bit after seeing him, seeing him there. But um, but yeah, so AM has been recruiting him for a long time, did a great job. Uh distance obviously helps, uh, especially with him back in Katie and not at Allen, you know. So it's way closer to AM than Norman. I think that you know that started to set in. And uh really, you know, while he really liked OU, it's I think his heart was in Aggieland. So a uh, huge get now and <laughs> if they only play three defense linemen at a time and they have 12, five <laughs> stars. I mean, it is, I'll tell you what, no matter what, it's great for uh, being able to rotate a guy in. If you can take, you know, Walter Nolan out of the game and you can put a five star in, in his place, or I mean, I guess you're taking Shamar Turner out of the game and you're putting Walter Nolan. So, you know, the number two point, a five star for a five star and then five stars, you know, when you got Shamar Stewart on the outside playing a bunch. I mean, that's uh, really good because defense line, I mean, it's not like offensive line. They, they cannot play every play. It's really tiring. So if you can, uh, if you can throw depth in there, that is that good. I mean, that's, uh, that's scary. Once these guys have some experience, I, I think next year is defense line has a chance to be like, Scary. I mean, I know I'm going out on a limb here, you know, with the five stars all over the roster, but really good. Like, you know, get Gabe Dendy healthy. You know, Walter Nolan really gets in a group. We've seen flashes from him. We've seen flashes from Shamar Shamar Stewart. I had the Turner and Stewart mixed up. But, yeah, Shamar Stewart um, and those other guys, you know, still still have a chance to show what they can do. So I think this defense line is going to be really good, and Hicks is going to help. Uh, he's a guy that can play any of the positions. You know, he wants to stay at defensive end, but he's a big dude already. But 
you know, AM is using Shamar uh, at defensive end. LT Overton's a big dude. I mean, there's a lot of big kids that they're they're putting out there. So um okay. so yeah, he can play he can play any of the four spots if they go back to four uh four to four lines. The three the, the the three and four man fronts, they that that that's that's a discussion we, we need to loop. We need to loop uh Tarpin and kind of you know get his get his thoughts on the three and four man front and 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 kind of have him on the podcast as well to to kind of explain I know he wrote an article about it recently as well on on Hicks you know he's just a guy that has he has really powerful hands that's when I got a chance to see him up up here at Allen and how about that defensive line that they had up at Allen last year with him and Zeno yeah. Zulu like just a really really talented group between those two guys and 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 everything else they had up up front his hand and his his power with his hands and, and lower body is just to me the biggest thing that kind of stood out and and you know you you're right you can move him play him on the outside play him on the inside and and kind of go from there and and he can really be a versatile piece i think he's got a chance to come in and and play right away you know as for what kind of swung it i'm with you i i talked to people in the week leading up to his decision in the days and and there seemed to be a real strong confidence on the ou side and and I think Hicks was genuinely torn. I do think he's got a strong relationship with, it, with the OU staff, yeah. and and I don't think they're going to give up until the early signing period either. They're going to continue to recruit him and try to get him back up. I believe he's still got an official visit to use to both schools, so you know Oklahoma is going to push to try to get him back on campus. But I think when it came down to it, he's he's obviously really close to his family, and and they've got a really tight knit family. And the chance to be only an hour plus away from home, I think, in the end was something that gave AM an edge that that Oklahoma couldn't match. And and I think that's the biggest thing. Obviously, really strong relationships with Jimbo Fisher and and Elijah Robinson. And it's that little, little edge when it comes down to it over the final days of is he gonna opt to go to Oklahoma or, or will he stay back close to home with his nearest family? And I think ultimately that that's what ends up what ends up winning out. And you know, AM now moves inside the top twenty in the recruiting rankings, still a lot more work to do over the next couple of months. We're about two and a half months yeah. out from yearly signing period. Peyton Bowen's the biggest name to me now that, that remains on top of the board and no, uh, get A&M. somebody on offense. Get, get somebody on offense. on offense. Like <laughs> I was about to say, I did a, uh, I did a big board over the weekend and, and you know, the offensive one was, it's pretty much all committed guys right now. Jim Ryan loves the one guy. I think that, that, uh, is uncommitted who who would be your top target i'm putting you on the spot here a little bit who would be your on your 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 biggest priority for AM over the next couple of months hakeem williams uh he was close to come in his his recruitment has been all over the place five-star receiver from fort lauderdale his recruitment is all over the place there's been so many different favorites he ended up committing to florida state i think it was just last week um but AM is the one constant that's been in there and I I have a feeling he'll be back. So AM needs dynamic receivers and big ones. Like he and Chris Marshall are pretty similar players. Uh, you know, you got Evan Stewart who just got the speed and you know, great hands most of the time and everything, but Evan's not a big, big guy. So if you were able to put him with Akeem Williams, so that would be uh probably my number one because I I like the backs that they have. You know, they nobody's gonna a chain is is just different you know they're not going to have somebody to replace that speed i mean he's elite but i like what lj johnson has shown i like what amari daniels has shown um you know levion moss is a guy they're really excited about so 
you know, it'd be great to get uh, Ruben Owens and uh, Jeremiah Love or Roderick Robinson or whatever. That'd be great. Obviously, Peyton Bowen is huge. Like, um, you know, safety play is big in this defense. You know, we've seen it with Antonio Johnson. So, you know, get Peyton Bowen. But I, I mean, if I was the coach and I had to pick, they said, oh, you can only have one recruit and you can take anybody you want. It would be Akeem Williams right now. No question. I think I think he'd be obviously number one for me as as well. Just on the offensive side, because you need to provide a, a boost on that side of the ball. And I'm with you. You know, just talking to people since he since he committed to Florida State, I think there's a feeling that he's going to get back to A&M at some point. Is is kind of the feeling, and I I think A&M is going to continue to stay on him until the early signing period. And and you know, there's a feeling that you know. If, Florida State obviously had the momentum. He's got some close friends on on that roster, but I think there's there's still going to be some some movement and activity left in this recruitment. And A and M still right. has that that official visit in their pocket left mm-hmm. to use. The other guy I would throw in there would be, you know, Jalen Brown. If they could get him in the same sort of mold, you know, get a speed guy, a guy that can continue to take the top off of defense. I think he'd be the other guy that I would really look at as as kind of a huge priority and. And a guy you've got to go all in on. There's obviously big targets, you know, Javi and Taviano and Peyton Bowen. Yeah. And Tony and Mitchell. Williams. We don't talk about him. Tony, we don't talk about Tony him Mitchell. enough. He's committed to Alabama. He's from down the road, uh, down the road from Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, Alabaster, which is a suburb of Birmingham. So really close to Alabama. But he has been a him twice since committing there. He's still got an yeah. official to use. And he sort of reminds me of uh, Bryce Anderson. He's a, a bigger DB, but that can play corner, uh, can play nickel, can play safety. So, you know, just really versatile. So I would put him up there, too. And I think A&M has a very legitimate chance of flipping him from Alabama. So, yeah, he's one that people need to pay attention to as well. But like you said, I mean, all those guys are just committed. You know, so many of the guys are committed places. A&M's working right. on doing a lot of flipping this year, and which is harder to do than just, you know, landing a lean you know switching a lean to another to actually get them to open up you know i mean it's not impossible and you know kids now you know especially florida kids you know and georgia kids they always take visits even if they're committed so you at least get them on campus but but yeah it is just a little weird that almost all their targets are committed no and you you look at that the receiver targets i think specifically a&m just it's clear they're going to have to continue to add 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 guys to that room and continue to continue you know, just stocking talent and, you know, a guy like Raymond Cottrell, they've, they've obviously, he's obviously taken multiple visits as well. That's another guy I look at that, that A&M has, has clearly been able to at least pique his interest and get him on campus. Now, yeah. whether he's going to flip from Georgia is, is a different thing. And and the other one that I think is interesting is, is Micah Tease. I know we've kind of talked about him as well. I think he'd be an interesting guy to, you know, obviously committed to Arkansas from Booker T. Washington up in up in Oklahoma was back on campus at Arkansas this weekend but but took an official visit to A&M for the Miami game another guy that A&M has been able to get on campus multiple times and and I know you you um you kind of reported not long after he got his offer that A&M was an offer that that was really interesting to him and and piqued his interest so you know Yeah I there were there were other recruits that were saying him. Yeah, other recruits that were saying before he committed Arkansas, some recruits thought he was and not A and M commits, just kids that yeah. have you know they were, they just they were like oh all the talk is about A and M when he was on other visits so uh, so yeah there was definitely a lot of interest there and then the fact they came back and yeah he's got speed you want to put a speedy guy in the slot uh, he's yeah. he would be the slot that you would want to take in this class. 
And even, I mean, just big picture, if, if A&M is able to get one or two guys, say at receiver, if they're able to get a Hakeem Williams or Micah Tease, you think this 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 roster could still use a couple transfer portal additions? And is this the year that Jimbo Fisher kind of starts to to look at that receiver spot and think if I could go out and get an an impact guy, a receiver to me has to be the one position. If you're going to go at an impact guy this off season, it has to be at that receiver spot and just have a veteran veteran presence that that can go there. That that to me is the number one need. An offensive lineman wouldn't hurt either, but but a, a receiver that has college experience would would be a big get for me if he is going to use the transfer portal. Yeah, so this is – we're going to learn. If Jimbo's ever planning to – you know, there are a few coaches that are just holdouts, and, I mean, Jimbo's a great recruiter, so this isn't something I would necessarily hold against him, but Jimbo has been really reticent to use the portal. I mean, he got uh, – I think since the portal, they got Max Johnson and uh, last year, the offensive lineman, uh, Jameer. Jameer. What's the, why can't I remember his name? Uh, oh, Jameer Tennessee. Johnson. Jameer Johnson. Yes. Those are the only two people a yeah. has taken since the portal. So, I, I mean, other schools are putting, you know, taking 15 guys a class, uh, you know, when they can transfer. And this year, there's no cap on the number of uh, incoming players. You know, there's not a 25-man limit this year. So, if they, if they if a doesn't load up this year, doesn't take more than one this year, then I, do, I don't see them planning to do it much in the future. But, yeah, I would go after a whiteout. Um, you know, I would go after several positions. They did offer uh, the kid from Syracuse. I think it was Taj Williams last Taj year, Williams. Uh, yep. but he had some issues that I think he wasn't able to transfer to an SEC school just because of the different academic requirements. Because he was committed, yeah. I don't remember where he was committed, but he had to open it back up. Um, but you know, so they at least were looking at receivers last year. But yeah, they need receivers, and then obviously, the thing is. Offensive tackles like you're seeing in this class. I mean, these guys guys are getting a ton of offers if they're just big and decent. Yep. You know, schools you want develop offensive tackles. Yeah, so it's going to be the same way. If any good tackle goes in the uh, goes in the portal, you know, from another school, I mean, they're going to have everybody. But, you know, A&M really needs to look at that and think about, you know, getting a, a tackle in there. No doubt. And Miles Frazier obviously was the one they, they kind of looked at last year. And you look at how he was – Coveted, you know, he he. I I remember getting the chance to talk to him, and he he kind of said his phone went from one to like twenty offers within a within a day, and and was kind of yeah. overwhelming. A and was never able to get him on campus for a visit, but shoot, even an interior lineman, A really struggled up front in the interior as well, which is just some of those twists and stunts. If you can even get a veteran interior guy to to shore up that group, I think you at least have to look at it. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting. We've 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 kind of talked about it, and Josh Pate, I thought had a had a really good segment on his show Sunday night about how Jimbo is going to kind of reach a fork in the road on a couple different fronts. You know, yeah. the play calling after the off season's going to be one that he kind of has to look at and and look internally. And I think the transfer portal's probably the other one on if on if he looks to add some immediate guys. I know he's he's been resistant to do it, but you know, if this is a year that that they do kind of look at it, it's it's going to be fascinating to watch and. And we'll certainly be able to discuss a lot of those things when when the season kind of comes to an end, and and it's going to be one of the biggest storylines this off season about what changes A and M makes. Um, but for this week, you know, all eyes will kind of be on Alabama, and we could be sitting here a week from now talking about what a different position it'll be if A and M is somehow able to pull off a, a stunner over Alabama. It's going to be it's going to be interesting, and and we'll certainly have you covered with with all the latest. 
Um, I think we, yeah, we went 42 minutes today. We kind of covered a, a lot of ground. Um, we'll be back again later in the week to, to preview A&M and Alabama, but that'll do it for this edition of the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. As a reminder, if you're following along on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get a notification every time a new video drops. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review and, and be sure to hit the follow button on there as well to get a notification every time a new video drops. Otherwise, until next time, hang in there, A&M fans, and, uh, and have a great week, and, and we'll be back soon. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.